it's so magical because you go from like the the dynamism of the opening into like whatever super you know lovely piece Kevo has picked that you know I've in that you wrote in our playing yeah you wrote yeah truly so anyway uh hey everybody welcome back to X's for show I'm Nico you guys can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action that's N I C O A C T I O N no getting it wrong this time and I'm TP. <laughs> and I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. And that makes me Kevo. And you can find me over on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K E V O R E A L L Y. All right. So now let's talk about why we're here. I'm so excited. I'm stupid excited because we've actually been branching out into some new content on the show lately. We've been taking a look at video games a little bit more, right? You know, and some more TV and more movies. And that's been, you know, phenomenal. But we're taking a look at a video game thing today. Uh, and in the last couple of weeks, we've taken a look at things like uh, Mario, right? We took a look at the Mario Brothers movie, which of course meant that we took a look at the amazing game franchise that led to the film. And you can check that out in our wonderful uh, Mario Brothers Super Show episode, uh, which we had an incredible time making, right? Uh, Kevo, I think you might have some graphics for that, right? Uh, we also did an episode on Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster and Theater Rhythm uh, for the Nintendo Switch. I just want to say that like, uh, the opening of this episode is so messy because I'm like so excited to talk about these games that like I have trouble like getting all of my feelings into my mouth. Um, and I feel like that, you know, I just I really am excited because TK, today you're kind of taking the reins. And you're going to be walking us through a game series that, uh, you know, if you ask me, um, Zelda was a franchise that uh, just my friend Bart and my friend Kyle played. Uh, I didn't play Zelda. Bart and Kyle played Zelda. And then, of course, there was a boy. There was a boy named Alex. There was always Alex, a boy. Oh, my God. And his name is always Alex. And, always uh, like Alex, yeah. And he played Ocarina of Time, and I wanted him to play my Ocarina of Time. So uh, I got Ocarina of Time for uh, whatever system you could get it for at the time. And so, all right, Kevo, before we go to the guy who has all the Zelda knowledge, right, uh, before we go to Mr. Zelda... And uh, he'll explain King to Zelda. What, the hell the, what the hell a Sheik what is. What the hell the Zelda is. Yeah, how how does how does one Zelda? Them? Uh, so, Kevo, do you have any experience with Zelda before we get like you know legitimately Hyrule school? No, I was probably one of the isn't Zelda the guy with the sword people um, for a little while there, but I'm at least literate enough on Zelda to know that that is not the case. Um, and have been for some time. So I at least feel that competent. Um, I know it's a lot of stuff about a green guy in a, in, in a hat. And he's got a sword. And he breaks a lot of pots. And, and his girlfriend is, keeps getting kidnapped. Ganon Ganon is so too hot. deep for me. So Ganon is too deep for me. Oh, fuck. The hot is a sword and like... pot breaking and girlfriend kidnapped. And that's about it. That's. I believe you that there is a Ganon. I believe that there are villains in this but i'm not as familiar as say bowser for example okay all right all right so teak uh i i just want to say number one 
Uh, what I know of the Zelda franchise, I do love this idea of the centralized uh, narrative of the hero myth as replayed over and over again through iterations of fairy tale, legend, uh, science versus magic, etc. I really love what I know, but I know that I don't know enough. So do you think you could point me to some like basics that I should be sure I know to dial into any Zelda? Like this is the Matrix and I just I need a phone booth real quick. I mean, it is the same formula every time. You are Link, the hero. You are in an action RPG. Uh, you are playing through the legend of Zelda, the epic story of what happened when this thing happened to the princess. The princess was kidnapped by the evil Ganon to use her powers to... Uh, you know, to seal or to get the Triforce and separate the uh, light world from the dark world so he could control the dark world or so he could take the power of the Triforce to control the realm of Hyrule and the hero saved Zelda so that she could use her powers to seal Ganon away. Or thousands of years ago, that was the story. And this is the Hyrule that exists now uh, as a, a an archipelago of islands. Uh, and you play a young island boy who happens upon a pirate ship and who has to go rescue his sister and somehow falls back into the elements of the Legend of Zelda. And now you are on the open seas with an anthropomorphic boat that's going to take you from island to island while you go from dungeon to dungeon uh solving puzzles smashing pots collecting rupees and living the legend you know one of the things i super duper love about uh like the narrative relationship of rpgs and their subgenres is an RPG can come along that is so defining of a generation that whole genres of games are called blank clones, right? And the idea of the Zelda clone is, you know, so prevalent throughout early 80s uh, video gamery. And so when I was like, you know, get me, get me going. Let's, let's get me wet. Let's get my nipple hard. Let's go. Uh, I was like, talk Rich. to me about like the five games i gotta know three to five games and you were like mm, not how it works and i was like skirt it's gotta be how it works and you were like no and here's why it's eras and um you know i would love it if you could just it's like kind of like mistress donkey kong action there just like, I, I get it sometimes it's just and you've got a good angle for it so sometimes oh, you I just do, gotta right? go for it you just gotta like and you get the motion going right Oh, yeah. So walk me through this a little bit. Um... So the eras, and this is something I was thinking about because I, you know, you were asking, you were saying, like, what are the three to five games? And my three to five games are not really going to be anybody else's. Right off the bat, I will tell you, Ocarina of Time is almost at the very bottom of my list of Zelda games. Just not for me, but the vast majority of fandom thinks that that is the definitive game. For me, the definitive game of those early games is linked to the past. So I clearly have a different take, and I think all Zelda fans do, but I think I wanted to look at things 
in a way that can kind of holistically account for the entire franchise rather than using the best or the most iconic games to do that because i think they're all kind of equally iconic in their own subjective ways but we've got the first era which i called the bit era and i call it that because it is the era of games that were in uh the number bit system so the nintendo was the 8-bit system super nintendo was so exciting because that was a 16-bit system uh we leapfrog frog 32 bits and went right to 64 which is where we got ocarina of time and majora's mask and of course uh the portable games uh link's awakening on the game boy and then oracle of seasons and oracle of ages uh were 8-bit Esque, but they were portable but they were you know they were early on and they were part of this bit era um and these yeah. are sorry go I, ahead. Just, I just want to i want to expound on what you're saying for yeah, a minute please. something that like people i think can't ever appreciate like and i know i can't as a yeah. fan of uh zelda coming to it from the outside is it can be really hard to understand the interpolation of you know side cannons kevo one of the things that i know that like you have such a, a unique predicament for is, you know, as much as you love comic work and comic books, you are much more a TV guy. Yeah. And movies at that. You find yeah. yourself in fandoms that have, let's go with an adjacency of, uh, you know, f- materials. And like, yeah. you know, I've always, yeah, I've always thought that um, I'm, between the pointy ears and the uh well the big ears not pointy ears but you know the, the big ears and the alabaster complexion uh i've always been sort of surprised that you weren't a little bit more drawn to cosplaying link uh is one of the things that held you back simply knowing that there was link on you know eight different systems or did you just not know and kind of probably the second one I would say. Oh, okay, didn't care. Good to know. Well, no, not didn't care. I didn't hear you say that because you mumbled it. Uh, no, just like not very aware. Um, you know, I did always have the same wondering of, is this a series where it follows a linear uh, storyline? It, But I felt, I, I, I thought the same thing of Final Fantasy and of Mario. I definitely i'm getting an education from all of this video game stuff that we are covering of how many of the big franchises don't really follow any kind of specific linear sequel structure in that regard and that's Which really makes... interesting to think about yeah it just it kind of makes ryan murphy the jrpg of television it it's actually okay. just what it is you know like when you talk about like American Horror Story and how like things come back and like Patty Lapone plays like nine different werewolves or whatever, um, you know, it kind of it's the same thing here where like it's Link in every game, but it's a little bit different in every game. <laughs> it makes me think about what will be coming next in terms of cinema and cinematic storytelling. Um, not that you know, I don't th- I don't think a superhero movie bubble has popped. But I think that sort of cinematic storytelling where instead of anyone worrying about what's going to be the nine movies, Zelda movie franchise, what if it's these, you know, this sort of storytelling instead? Because it 
clearly is incredibly popular. So, okay. I want to go back a slide because there's a slide we didn't show. So, um, the Zelda experience, there is one thing on here that I need to, I need to point out. Uh, I am big time a fan of a super collaborator and show uh, co-creator Jonah. And if there's three things that Jonah likes, it's uh, sleeping, yeah. it's uh, Pokemon. Oh, okay. Oh, snacks, sure. And it's Super Smash Bros. And yeah. uh, I have played so many rounds of Smash Bros. And, uh, you know, when I think about franchises that are built on the strength of other franchises, Super Smash Bros. is one that comes to mind. And I know we talked about it, like, when Paquito for uh, Mario, but, like, Link, Sheik, Ganon, these characters really are prevalent yeah. in Smash Bros. Yeah. in a way that that's how I know who Ganon is, to be really right. honest with you. I know Ganon from Smash Bros. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Hottest guy I know with a Triforce tattoo. I, I gotta know. Bruh. Handsome. What the fuck is a Sheik? And how do I get her when I get Zelda sometimes? And other times I can't figure out the button combination. Jonah, help! But no, so Teak, who is Sheik? So, and how does she factor into this big picture? Because I've always been really curious. So, it's a very funny thing. Uh, we, of course, had Link, Ganon, and Zelda in the original games. Uh, but Ganon was a pig creature, uh, an anthropomorphic pig wizard dude uh, that you fought at the end of the first Zelda game. He's kind of there as like a looming imp. What? My Bara King was a pig imp? So hold on. You are talking about Ganondorf. And Steven Dorf's brother Ganondorf. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, We've had Ganon from the very beginning. He's, he's, he is the pig wizard. You know, Ganon is in the uh, animated uh, show. Um, and, right. And he is the pig wizard. You know, he's always there. You have uh, in A Link to the Past, you have the mysterious and, like, vaguely orientalist wizard Aghanim, uh, who ultimately ends up being kind of a front for... He's kind of Ganon Snoke. Uh, and then ultimately, Word. you know, at the end of Link's the Best, spoiler alert for a fucking 30 year old, for a 30 year old game, uh, it, it was Ganon <laughs> all along. Um, and then we get to Ocarina of Time, and you, as young Link, go to Hyrule Castle and you meet young Zelda, and she's looking in on this meeting between her father, the King of Hyrule, and Ganondorf who is the person that you are talking about. Now, of course, rendered in the Nintendo 64 horrible uh, triangle polygon, 3D polygon thing, he just looks... He does not look like that beautiful man. Uh, that beautiful man king. who I, I... Just absolute king who I have a lot of feelings about. you are introduced to this char character of Ganondorf, who is uh, a member of the Gerudo tribe, uh, who 
are an all-female warrior tribe. They only have one male like every hundred years or hundred generations. And how they reproduce is kind of beyond me. I think what it is is that they get males from other species, but then the child is always a Gerudo woman. Anyway. Or like um, a pig boy. Or like a pig man. So Ganon is this uh, you know, desert wizard prince of these warrior of this warrior people, uh, who, you know, like everybody wants the Triforce. And his final form in the epic battle in Ocarina of Time is Ganon. Is this kind of uh this this boar warrior uh you know that he his magic turns him into and that is the connection that is made between ganondorf and ganon uh ganon is like, like a form uh that ganondorf uses and so not similarly but in ocarina of time you meet princess zelda uh and later when you there's there's some time travel shenanigans everybody becomes an adult and as an adult you meet Sheik and again spoiler alert for a very old game uh we're gonna spoil like very early pieces of Tears of the Kingdom so like there's spoilers for Zelda if you really don't want to be spoiled on Zelda you should head out and play all the games and then come back and watch this episode because you'll really appreciate where I'm coming from but um no Sheik is- don't listen to him stay and then go play I don't know why he's <laughs> pulling that why well, I, I just it, he just said unlike and unsubscribe <laughs> uh Sheik is Zelda uh Sheik is Zelda is is an older Zelda with like uh ninja training now they're like time travel like link time travels and then meets everybody seven years later and he's in his seven years later body but he is still the child that traveled into that body this is starting uh, to sound like an anna kendrick movie. i know this is kind of why i don't super love uh ocarina of time but setting that aside Sheik is uh the name that she gives to link but it is also the name of a people and they are the ninjas that train her uh they are and a, a group of uh, you know they are a people and she learns these kind of martial arts and these secrets from them and she's a fighter and that's chic uh and that is why you sometimes get chic when you play zelda but again these, these are all just words and like and themes that come up repeatedly so when we get into the breath of the wild era which is ostensibly thousands of years in the future of the zelda timeline that may or may not exist um the sheik are a people that the high rule that are like uh the greek the ancient greeks would be to us and except they are far more technologically advanced than the Hyruleans and the Hyruleans are digging up uh old chic technology which are like uh sentient machines and they are recreating the uh chic computers and it's freak say chic yes they nailed it um so you know that becomes one of those things where like you get this one word that is like zelda's name the nickname or like you know secret identity in ocarina of time 30 years ago and we get all the way up to breath of the wild and link is using the sheikah slate which is a stand-in for the nintendo switch uh and it's just a very you know the way they play around with all of the different pieces of their lore game to game is really fascinating I love it. I love it the way, uh, you know, I love like 
Just to bring back to Final Fantasy, Chocobos come and go from every game. Moogles come and go from every yeah. game. Summons. There's ideas that are, I almost want to use the phrase endemic to each game iteration. You know, one of the things that I think sets Link apart is, and I say this really positively, having just having just watched my first Eurovision ever uh, mm. with the guy down there and the guy right there who uh, invited us over uh, just to enjoy this amazing thing. Uh, there's sort of like a, that way that I always feel like ABBA sounds kind of like a Bavarian Waffle House kind of music. Uh, there's sort of a way that uh, Link is always kind of very, this European celebration of folklore. And uh, I think that's something that I always find very interesting about Link and Zelda games. There's this sense of sort of like Celtic mysticism, a general sense of um, fjords. There's like a lot of like friendly Vikings, you know? Yeah. So I'm really curious to know a little bit more about this uh, 8-bit era to start. So Kevo, if you would please pull back up that 8-bit era... You know, when I think about this era of games, it's games that go ka-chunk when you put them in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I think about ka-chunk games, I think about rough graphics, laggy gameplay. Mm -hmm. But I think about capturing our imaginations. You Mm -hmm. know, today when we hear about games, people say that if a game isn't beautiful enough, you can't get into it. And I'm like, that's ridiculous because everybody's taking home a three that's the best night of their life. You know what I mean? So I will not stand here and hear that I have not been the best night of someone's life. In a oh, pitch. man, you stole my joke. Fuck mm. yeah. So um, I just want to be clear that one of the things that I think is so amazing about this era is that these games are still getting reiterations in a beautiful way. You know, we think about the fact that Stranger of Paradise is a reiteration of Final Fantasy. But one of the, uh, number one, you know, it's a reiteration of that first game. But one of the things that makes uh, Zelda so fascinating is in so many ways, a number of the games are actually all just reiterations of The Legend of Zelda. Right. And it all really started with a freeform narrative that I feel like everybody's been trying to capture ever since. Yeah, I mean, I really agree with that. You know, when uh, I'm so glad, Kevo, that you use the kind of first and last uh, from this era, although technically, timeline-wise, not the last. But, like, these are the two really recognizable box arts right here. And this first Legend of Zelda art really, to me, says is a lot more like uh, the Final Fantasy art box art of the same era. And it yeah. is very much evocative of European fantasy uh aesthetics and ideals that were popular in the 80s as well it Moscow, should go uh, you know gauntlet is another one that is in that uh universe that's you know really kind of appealing to these things and then the ocarina of time one kind of uh builds on what got built up through link to the past uh but Like, the font and, like, vaguely the Hylian Sword and Shield are, like, the earliest forms of what we're about to get in what will become, like, the iconic Zelda logos and stuff. But early on in this era, we're still trying to figure out what all that stuff is and what iconic Zelda is. 
uh, and we're playing with elements that are, uh, you know, have never been seen before, so they can't really be recurring yet. Um, and, you know, it's as you said, every single one of these games is on a cartridge. Uh, and it is not until the Switch that we go back to cartridges. Um, so everything... That's a, that's a funny point, yeah. Right? So, you know, everything... I mean, I with the exception of uh, Minish Cap on the, the Game Boy Advance, you know, the, the Game Boy ones are slightly different. Uh, those do carts more than they do, you know, they're uh, like SD card type things. Um, but these are all really still playing around with what defines the game. What is the formula in the numerology of Zelda? How many dungeons do you have to visit to get how many items? And the items are connected to, you know, like uh, in Link to the Past, you are going to three dungeons in the light world to get three objects that will then open the gateway to the dark world wherein you must uh go to seven dungeons to rescue seven princesses so there's always this like interesting numerology to zelda games and it's all what that is going to be and how that's going to play out is a big part of what the bit era is trying to establish uh there's no rules yet there's no expectations by the time you get to Nintendo 64 games, which is Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, there is a little bit of an established pattern. We've had, you know, Link, uh, Adventure of Link, Zelda 2 is kind of an exception because they went in an entirely different direction, realized it didn't work, and went back to kind of something more recognizably formulaic in the Super Nintendo game, A Link to the Past. But it is in... Uh, ocarina and time and majora's mask where now we've had a few main series games to play out these kind of numbers and these paths and figure out what we're going to do and so then we're ratcheting up sort of the elements that we're going to see we are expanding the size of the world we are making larger continuity for we're world building hyrule we're introducing the gorons the zora um and you know in majora's mask we're kind of turning that whole thing upside down and saying there's a whole other world and the uh, moon is a bitch and the moon gonna kill you um she gets that scary, way sometimes. scariest damn moon i've ever seen i know yeah. second scariest damn moon i've ever seen eric idol as the moon at the end of journey into your imagination Ooh, yeah. is the scariest moon i've ever seen because Eric Idol face. as a yeah, it's 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 the nightmare that I never wanted. Well, I was gonna say, um, alter ego from uh, As Guardians of the Galaxy. Not great. <laughs> True. So, I have a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Number one, uh, I want to bring up something about the symmetrical value and the nature of visualization on a box art. Mm-hmm. So. I uh, think that this slide really identifies something that I think is necessary to understand about Zelda, which is at this point, we're still in a world where the homogenization of game art isn't quite as bad. You know, 
there was a sense of games could continue to do their own thing before there was a necessary value to looking good on a shelf, right? So I can see that these two box arts are fundamentally the same thing, but in one, the idea of the sword and sorcery is paramount because no one knows what the hell a Legend of Zelda is. But in the other one, the name Zelda becomes one with the value of the sword, one yeah. with the value of the shield. And that valuation, not just of color, but of the name as part of the identifiable icon, I think speaks to the nature of how Zelda supplanted the entire nature of sword and sorcery for Nintendo. And that's why Nintendo was able to let go of Final Fantasy, such that the pixel remasters even exist now. Because Zelda was their IP. And I just think there's something really fascinating about that nature of things. Yeah, I mean, it's... The way that it really does develop in this era, to me, is very fascinating. And, I mean, I really like that you kind of establish the idea of that link between you know the sword and the shield and and the name zelda a like, link between the ideas yeah exactly mm, mm. um and it's just you know it's so funny to me because i always think about these things in terms of what's about to come where there's a an expectation of what we're going to see from now on you know what is on the shield right now the uh triforce and the hylian crest the what is uh kind of ultimately revealed to be a a bird uh that is going to come up in a later game um these become iconic images of zelda but here they're kind of almost afterthoughts and like minor designs on the shield but this is what you will expect to see on every uh you know piece of zelda art to come did you guys just do that together i have no idea how that happened that's amazing what? we bring uh, up image... the thing yeah oh, yeah that, that was incredible great timing i love this production team uh, That's why I love I'm, using Milanote because I can just drop stuff like that in. Because as soon as he said it, I was like, "Let me grab some of the stuff that yeah. I have." Because here's the there's the shield with the bird. And today's episode would be sponsored by Milanote. Milanote is an application that allows you to gather together all of your thoughts and present them on a project board featuring text, images, and more. Mila. Project board. Mila Note, like yeah. Mila Jovovich. Like Millimeter, not like Mila Jovovich. Oh, is her name Mila? I thought it was Mila. Is it Mila like Millimeter? No, it's it's Mila. Oh, okay, yeah. Either way, we love the program and we're super grateful for it. Now, I don't mean to be a a nosy busybody, but TK, I can see on your screen. Yeah, I was going to pull it up. Um, Just real real quick. I mean, I just really wanted to show that, like, the um, link to the past art is kind of this really interesting in-between step um, between, you know, what you get with uh, mm. the original and what you get wow. with Ocarina of Time. The shield is not the Hylian shield yet. The sword is not the master sword yet. The Zelda font even is mostly a little different, except the Z is there's the same. A lot more, there's a lot more 
Disney influence in yep. sort of a mainstreaming, a lack of personal identity forced yep. by marketing here. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just to show that, like, it does kind of take its time to evolve. So once it evolves and we get out of this 8-bit classic era, I think this next era, what I'm going to call, like, peak Zelda is uh, the era that I want to say, for me, I most associate with Zelda's quality, uh, like the quality metric that is Zelda. When I think about games that are the ones that everybody told me, if you don't play this, you're missing out. It's yeah. a lot of the peak Zelda era. So I would love to uh, pull up that slide and get a chance to take a look at those incredible games. Uh, you know, just to start, the Oracle games... The Oracle the games I technically would put in the the uh, previous era because they are Game Boy games. Uh, okay. But time-wise, they do come a little later. Uh, Technology-wise, they are they are more part of the old guard. Uh, so it really starts with Four Swords and, you know, kind of... Uh, the A really iconic one is Wind Waker. Yeah. We have Wind Waker, uh, Minish Cap, Twilight Princess, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Track, Skyward Sword. I feel like these were all the games that I heard. If you're not playing these, you're a crazy person. Yeah. And then there's Triforce Heroes. But I think... Uh, so talk to me a little bit about the era where Zelda... Because I feel like, you know, the first era was like um, Spider-Man and X-Men at Fox. And then I kind of feel like post-bit era's peak zelda is kind of like marvel cinematic universe zelda look how he swings that sword in nintendo high quality graphics so i mean the first thing to talk about is how uh at e3 a couple years before wind waker came out uh and after you know ocarina of time and majora's mask had come out so what's the next big zelda game going to be what's the game for gamecube going to be uh they had previewed a zelda game that looked much more like the evolution of you know going from nes to super nes to n64 those are just like it's getting more and more intricate and detailed but it's the same kind of dark gritty fantasy fighty thing we got some art that showed a battle between link and ganondorf and kind of gave us or maybe it was just link and a, and a um a, an enemy but we got footage that bad really bad like, bastard exactly we got footage that looked like okay this is the next logical step and then when the game is announced we got a cel-shaded animated cartoon game and people were horrified you know, it is really that thing of, like, why are the prequels kids' movies? You know, why are the Star Wars prequels kids' movies? Uh, this is the next thing. We've all grown up from uh, that first trilogy. Why aren't the movies grown up? Um, I've had the Chris Houlihan room. I can't go back now. Yes, I love a Houlihan's. Um, Ooh, big potato soup. Big potato <laughs> soup. I had it for lunch. And so right off the bat that we are now going in a direction of we don't have to take the next step in evolution or, you know, in a linear progression. 
we have to take the game to the next point that it needs to go. And in this case, it is for more interesting gameplay, for a more expansive world, for uh, better storytelling, for better music, for better art that is not necessarily more graphically you know setting the idea that graphically advanced does not make for the best art every time graphically advanced is not the measure of making better art than the game before you and so making a really beautiful cel-shaded animated game was the best thing they could do for the franchise because it showed it's not always going to be more of what we did last time. And we first I, get that with Wind Waker. I think one of the things that has me the most excited to take a little bit more time and get into the Zelda universe yeah. is that there is such a breadth of subcanons. Yeah. Right? Like, is this the era where... Because, like, Kevo, you know how, um, like... Not to diminish the quality of interaction, but I don't know that you can always make every era of Doctor Who really fit in with every other era of Doctor Who with the mm -hmm. most smooth continuity. Um, you know, one of the things I think about is like the Torchwood Sarah Jane era uh, versus like the class era versus, you know, the Jody era, right? You know, I... Is this the era of Zelda where you start to get like the sub cannons or this is the era where the timeline breaks into uh, three different things. And this is where it starts to be like, that's not like you guys just made that up. Um, like you didn't have a timeline. Your American audience just demanded it and you eventually capitulated and figured out a way to sort things. But so the idea is Link travels through time um in ocarina of time and therefore there are three options either link is defeated in which case one timeline happens or link is successful and then two things happen one in the future that he travels to some stuff happens uh, based on the fact that he he as an adult in the future wins this fight with ganon and then when he travels back to his home time knowing what is going to happen and he tells zelda so zelda can tell her father that's going to change the course of the timeline so that the future that link went to never happened okay so that all the events of ocarina of time split the timeline into three places and wind waker falls in the timeline of what happens in the future where link is successful <laughs> hi Allie hey Allie alright so Allie catching you up real quick we're talking Zelda uh, Zelda, Link, Sheik, Ganon uh, I'm evidently I'm coming out all muscle boy about Ganon uh, tonight Ganondorf Ganondorf evidently I don't like the pig man I only like the hotness um, are you, a, are you a, a Zelda person or are you a you know Call in and let us know. Um, so while we're getting that answer going, yeah. one of the other things that I really want to talk about is the nature of the iconography of the visual. You yeah. know, with Final Fantasy, when you come into Final Fantasy, you might be into spellcasters, swords, javelins, 
Uh, you might be into guns. You might be into any number of things that could appear in a game. But when you get into Zelda, you better like swords and you better like bows and arrows. And I don't know that there's a whole lot else you gotta like. And uh, I would love to get a little bit more information on that while Ali lets us know in the ways in which Zelda is complicated. I mean, you know, you gotta like puzzles. You've gotta like uh, solving silly little mysteries. You gotta love a trade sequence. Um, you gotta love the whimsy of song. You don't have to love creating music in the way that one of my favorite artists, Nico Action, creates music. But you have to have Nico's kind of appreciation for the soul of songdom. Uh, and that that starts really... I mean, act, to me, it starts in A Link to the Past when you get the the first ocarina, which I think is called a flute there, but maybe it's called an ocarina. I forget now. But you get this item, which you can play, and this bird will come and pick you up and transport you along the map, which is such a great ah. thing. Uh, but then also, you there's there's this whole story of this instrument and this this you know cursed child who plays it in the woods and it's the most heartbreaking beautiful thing even to see as a sequence in you know 16-bit animated pixel art is so beautiful which takes me all the way back to that thing you were saying about just like the expectations that we have for game art you know one thing i always say about the zelda games is i hear the music the 16-bit music as though it is played by an orchestra the way it is intended to be heard the way it was composed even though somebody then came and helped that composer transpose it to work for the sound engine and the chip that's in the super nintendo they you know they have re-recorded that music with orchestras in the past and it sounds the same to me as when i listen to the soundtrack um so when i hear yeah. a nobu umatsu score it's the same thing for me right. like i don't care that it's in like literal six bit boop boops right when i hear a, a nobu umatsu score it is an orchestra yeah every time those voices say sephiroth yep every time and you see the sequences the same way you know it's just a 16-bit pixel animated sequence of this little uh you know dryad child forest boy but i see it you know it is animated the exactly the way it needs to be the way a studio ghibli need is animated the way it needs to be to tell yes. this beautiful story um and then later you know wind waker is in the same way it's animated with a little bit more whimsy um and wind wake up link wind wake up well that's more um link's awakening that's uh you know link needs to wake up but he can't do it too soon or he'll kill all the people of koalent island uh yeah it's really screwed up there really is a part where they're like so if you wake up are we all gonna die um it's very dark zelda games get really really dark and that's another thing you have to be there for that like how cerebral and dark and sad they get um your boo your boo. Yeah. Boo. Your boo. Uh, Family's so favorite. Cast you up, Allie, to catch you up. Uh, so Kevo and I are both in your crew. We think what we know about the Zelda universe is so great. We're big fans of what we know. I've played a little bit. Uh, I've played Ocarina of Time on 3DS. Um, I've played 
Twilight Princess. That was the first one for Wii. Yeah, I played right. Twilight Princess. Yeah. Um, who can never be sure? So um, now, Teak, I want to ask you about two things that I know you love before yeah. we move on. Yeah. Um, there's that uh, top-up fighting game. What? That oh, there's that game that's like it's like basically like what if you are Zelda doing strategy fighting? Am I just like not thinking here? What's happening? It's like a multiplayer game. For what system? Heroes Lord? of Hyrule, maybe. Hyrule Warriors. Is that it? Sure. What? There's that, and then there's uh, the cadence of dance. Cadence Party. of Hyrule. Yeah. So. What about Hades these games? That, Got it. Yeah. What about these games that blend Zelda with other universes? So uh, Hyrule Warriors, which is a a the, there were two Hyrule Warriors games. Uh, there right. was yes. the original. We are now which on is, the same page. Uh, which is just a really janky, grody Dynasty Warriors skin or uh, Zelda skinned Dynasty Warriors game. That is just uh, so stupid, and it's really funny to play. But like, it has like Linkle and all the stupidest characters from Zelda. Uh, Linkle is female Zelda to kind of answer the question of like, oh, I I or the like the meme of like I know Zelda. He's the guy with the sword. Uh, Linkle is you know Link, but as a girl. Um, there's also it's just it's got so many silly stupid references and it's just like uh you really have to like mosu games to get into the original hyrule warriors but it can be fun i had a good enough time with it the first time around hyrule warriors 2 uh age of calamity i think it's just hyrule warriors age of calamity i don't think it's hyrule warriors 2 but it's the second one is kind of a prequel uh like sort of an aborted timeline of breath of the wild because it came after breath of the wild so it's got a lot of breath of the wild voicing and cutscenes and very recognizable breath of the wild styling and it has some really fantastic gameplay i actually really love that game uh and that one technically falls into canon a little bit um cadence of hyrule is more uh the thing I'm thinking of is that time when uh, Illyria from Angel shows up in the comic book Fallen Angel. Yes. By Peter David. But there's a better example that I'm just not thinking of. It's like a weird crossover between universes that like should never meet, like canonically could never meet. And there's really no way to place when in any timeline they would take place but cadence of hyrule is a rhythm platformer with some of the best music in zelda history and it is one of my favorite zelda games of all time but yeah in terms of like being part of any kind of timeline it's not really uh not not so much important for that one that one really is like it's got just the zelda iconography and nothing else in a, in a great way I love that. I love a reskin. Uh, I never played Doom, uh, but I remember growing up, you could reskin Doom to look like anything if yeah. you downloaded oh, yeah. it off of AOL member uploads. Yep. Um, okay. 
So I'm a big fan of classic games, as we've talked about on the Mario episode, on the Final Fantasy episode. We always make sure to reflect the main idea of our of our like episode in like the the central part right and i think this era of zelda is like the the thing we're here to talk about this is the grown-up time i'm not here to make fun of the old games or anything but there is a limited scope to what 8-bits can produce at any yeah. given time. There's yeah. only so much memory. You can only redial into games by using passwords. It's not exact files. The nature of what a Zelda game is now is boundless compared to the nature of what a Zelda game used to be. But it's still the same core thing. Having sat next to you, having had the pleasure of you know watching you play with such joy and fervor, um, how does open world era Zelda like Tears of the Kingdom feel in comparison to something like the first time you played and what was your first game? I'm going to say my first real game was Link to the Past. I had played quite a lot of the original Legend of Zelda, but I was not allowed to get a Nintendo. My parents were like very worried. My parents were so worried about video games and MTV rotting my brain when I was like... Uh, like until i was five and then just they gave up they just gave up oh so i didn't give up for a long time <laughs> so you know at six they were like i don't just do whatever you want and like i learned about world events from kurt loader rest in peace mtv news uh and i learned about art from the legend of zelda a link to the past that was my first game that i owned i played uh i played just hours upon hours of it and you know it is the thing that i said that game, every pixel was worth 2,000 or more in my mind. Every frame was 200 frames of animation for me. So that game felt to six-year-old me as open as these two games actually are. So, you know, part of it is, like, we do sort of demand less of ourselves uh, if when we produce games like this. But it also is such a feat to create them. And I do like to think there is an ability uh, for us to interact. You know, what I wish is that children would get to experience the evolution of video games themselves. So I'm like, don't give a five-year-old Breath of the Wild. Give a five-year-old uh, the original yeah. Legend of Zelda. And make them play through and evolve a little bit so that they can kind of stimulate their imaginations. Um, because now I'm sort of like, okay, Tim, you have to go sit and like imagine for yourself uh, the things that you want to see. Because your games aren't forcing you to do it. Uh, you know, that's why I think everybody should always read. Because books are always the thing that kind of demands something of your imagination. Oh, um, wait, hold on. We're reading. Um, you look so you dumb in that dare. hat. Um, <laughs> and no, you not. look so dumb in that hat. And I'm only saying it because I completely forgot to wear a hat today. <laughs> it's just sitting on the lamp. You can go in and get it. Right. So uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. No. So, yeah, I mean, like these games are deliver on the promise of the original games 100%. And, you know, Tears of the Kingdom 
delivers on promises made in Breath of the Wild. It is... Breath of the Wild was, like, staggeringly more enormous than, like, Skyrim, which Skyrim was the gold standard for uh, enormous open-world games back in 2013, 2012. Um, So, you know, five, six years later, um, or four or five years later, this Zelda game comes along and really just expands drastically. Zelda's never really done open world before. It's very much like you can't unlock that zone until you do this thing. And technically you can go anywhere in Breath of the Wild. But Tears of the Kingdom is now like, I think at least double the size of uh, the Breath of the Wild map. So, you know, it's expanding on itself by an order of magnitude. You know, I think one of the things I love the most about hearing about you talk hearing you talk about Zelda and the way you're reacting with the series, uh, I find myself more excited to play it knowing that the evolution exists because I actually, it's so dumb and I'm not coming for it because we just talked about how much we loved it and we did that amazing episode all about it. But as much as I'm so excited about Final Fantasy 16, there are times where I'm really like, if I could get Final Fantasy 16 in the 2D pixels to start, and I can switch to high graphics mode whenever I want. I would, um, you know, that's why I really love Final Fantasy 15, the chibi edition or, or the pocket edition, whatever it's called. Uh, I just think that's such a great way to give people the opportunity to play the game. And I love your perspective on because Zelda is iterative and it's cyclical, you know, there is value to going back and playing those original games. Now, Kevo, is there anything about Zelda that you feel in the last hour of content we haven't covered? We've talked characters, we've talked uh, iterative elements, we've talked weapons, uh, you mentioned smashing pots. I know you and I love to smash back some pot. Um, what for you is still the question about Zelda right now? Um... I guess I don't really still have a firm grasp on the villain, but the general world and story flow, I think I understand a little bit better. So Ganon's just a Thanos-ish type, right? Like, in terms of, like, he's just powerful, he's just evil, he just wants to be as powerful as he can be. So, yeah? A little bit of Seth Roth in there, too? It gets even more complicated than that uh, because uh, and I think, you know, I think we're going to discover some expansion to the mythology in Tears of the Kingdom for sure. But up until uh, Breath of the Wild, the uh, when Skyward Sword came out, which was the game before Breath of the Wild, Skyward Sword was the earliest in all of the Zelda timeline. Now, if you even if you assume that the timeline isn't, you know, this isn't a world where like all the events happen in an order that is important, you could say like it's the earliest legend of Zelda and it establishes that Link Zelda and who is at the time called Demise are these three beings that will reincarnate throughout history. And this war between them as the representatives of wisdom, courage, and power, the three uh, pieces of the Triforce, um, that will go on forever. And, uh, you know, Demai sort of curses them that, like, I will always come back 
Uh, and so in a lot of ways, Ganon is just another form of demise and Ganondorf might just be another reincarnation. So, okay. Usually, yeah, I mean, so basically what it is is that in every game you are essentially fighting an incarnation of demise. It is usually Ganon who might be, uh, that, that instance of Ganon might be coming from Ganondorf the person. But also, like in Breath of the Wild, uh, it's not really Ganondorf. It's called Calamity Ganon, and it is, uh, like thousands of years ago, Ganondorf gave up his physical form to just be this, like, super powerful embodiment of destruction and power and chaos um and you know it's not really even a thinking thing it's more of an entity and a force interesting so yeah. the way that link is a set thing ganondorf is not yeah no i mean you will always have a link in a game and you will always have a zelda in a game but uh some games have uh, avati uh the the sorcerer some games have malleus the like evil train company owner from spirit tracks um, oh right yeah yeah so uh, what, one ahead. of the things i was looking up that i wanted to make sure i had all my facts right before i um made the comparison but it, it sort of made me think of tolkien and the um, Middle Earth Legendarium and how, you know, everyone always focuses on like Sauron and Saruman. Yeah. But, like those guys are even smaller servants of yeah. a greater devil Morgoth. of Melkor, who is yeah. like, and, and above that, like, and there's so what? many names that you don't hear when yeah. it comes to Tolkien that yeah. are the greater, greater devil and yep. yet it's always spoken of Saruman and Sauron. And so I think that's what I think of in terms of Ganon and Ganondorf then where yep. like yeah. they're sort of I would front say, men. Yep. Okay. Uh, Ganon is a kind of like uh, Sauron. Ganondorf is kind of like Saruman, but even, yeah. you know, even a okay. little different. But um, And then, you know, Demise is Morgoth. I'm yeah. going to Hyrule school today and getting getting Tolkien'd. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then who would you say is is there anything that is sort of the then opposite of that specifically at that level, or is it this demise force versus Link and Zelda at the base level, and there isn't any sort of. It's it's these three as of Skyward Sword. Like it, it really, you know, it, even though we saw so many other names, I think ultimately all of those names were incarnations of demise, uh, and you know, I it's a little bit difficult because like, you know, 
Link and Zelda are just always Link and Zelda. But, you know, partially the point is that uh, Link isn't really supposed to be Link. He's supposed to be whatever you call him. So he is a different person every time. I just always okay. name him Link. Uh, but so, he is you know. the Link. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the the three of them are reincarnating. Zelda is always Zelda. Uh, the hero is always the hero, and it doesn't have to be Link. But I just like Link. So, uh, and then the villain is always Demise reincarnating. Okay, yeah. Thank you for this. Like, truly, thank you for this education. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I love I love this series so much. I'm, I love to talk about it. Now you've had two days to play Tears of the Kingdom, uh, yep. but you know. Due to the nature of our ongoing love affair, uh, I've cut into a bunch of that time. Uh, hey, thanks. And uh, as has Eurovision and you being a great partner and a lot of Kevo. Uh, but, you know, other than all of that stuff going on, I would love to know a bit more about the nature of your uh, time with the game. How you feel yeah. about it, how Planet's been going. Talk to me. Tears of the Kingdom. So the thing, one of the things I said to you was uh, something that Nintendo has so rarely been willing to give us with Zelda is more of the same. Uh, one of my greatest kind of wants and desires and regrets is that we never got another game like Link to the Past. Uh, Link Between Worlds, as much as I do love it, uh, and it really is kind of like the 3DS's answer to Link to the Past, I really would love another 16-bit Zelda game that takes you, you know, like 40 hours to finish. Like, I would like them to make a Link to the Past 2. Uh, and there are very few straight sequels. There are very few games that are very similar to the one before them. The best example is Majora's Mask, uh, which is built on the same built for the same system as ocarina of time it uses the same character models it has a lot of the same gameplay it is a very different focus and takes place in an entirely different setting and the formulas are entirely different so it's only four dungeons to go to but they're much bigger um so it is more of the same but it's kind of very different uh, oracle frozen. sorry go ahead i wasn't sure if i was frozen or sorry um oracle of seasons and oracle of ages came out at the same time so it's that's kind of just one game split in two um you, you know there are a couple of spirit tracks is built on the same engine and for the same system as phantom hourglass but it is a very different game uh and phantom hourglass is a sequel to wind waker that has a similar art style but it's on an entirely different system and the play is different so like it's very rare that you get more of the same from a zelda game and tears of the kingdom is one of those rare instances they talk a lot about how this started as dlc for breath of the wild and that is entirely plausible to me not in a bad way but in a you know the character models look the same the the animation looks the same i'm sure it's better but it is not iteratively better it's not generation better um link it's the same link that was in the previous game it's the same zelda uh it is you know maybe if you want to i if you want to be extensive it's two years later but it's probably like 10 months later um 
the world of Hyrule while different enough because they didn't want you to just be able to go exactly to you know to know exactly where to go the world of Hyrule is the same and then when you get into it gameplay is a lot of the same type of thing at a at a more meta level so it is a lot of large world map where you happen upon a dungeon or a shrine which is like a, a smaller dungeon that's got a puzzle or two to solve that you get to uh then you get the prize and you go um and i just i find it really really funny because nintendo has so been unwilling to do that for zelda games and yet breath of the wild was so popular people played 400 hours of it and said you know i could have used about 900 more and i think that is what nintendo gave us and i really really respect that i don't think they should do that every time i don't think that could work every time but i think it is very interesting here it just makes me excited you know one of the things we talk a lot about is the nature of evolving art and evolving mediums and it really sounds like you're getting your evolutions worth from the zelda experience and you know kebo oh i'm sorry no no go and you know kebo you know I love that I feel like Zelda is something you would be into. But, you know, at the same time, you and I just can't take on another video game franchise. <sighs> so we have TK to play it for us. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I enjoy watching you play, TK, is seeing the way the puzzles interact. And I know that puzzles are always a part of video games that, Kevo, you would have found too frustrating. Yep. Now, how is the difficulty level on the puzzles in Tears of the Kingdom? I so far it is it is good. I think that it um you know the great thing about this era of Zelda games is I think on the whole the puzzles are challenging but very solvable. Um it's more about like will you put in the time? You know, uh, we were doing one we were sitting around today I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like, I think we watched like three episodes of Drag Race and I was in one dungeon for most of that. Um, and it, you know, that's just what it was. Uh, I don't think it was intended to take that long. I am just not the best puzzles guy. I'm not the fastest puzzles guy. I'm not the, like the most, it's just not how my brain works. Uh, it's not how my ADD works. And so, uh, you know, I, it was, it took me a really long time, but I think if you are up for that, it's totally doable because it is open world. I think sprinkle throughout. Oh no. Sorry. I'm saying dungeons, but it is more shrines. Uh, I, I, I think there may be a larger dungeon or two that I have not found yet. Uh, Ali's asking, are there real dungeons and tears? Uh, no, it is, it is a more shrines game. Um, but you know, sometimes they, that's, that's, what's embarrassing. Sometimes they really do take me a while. Um, but you know, the, the whole point of the game is you can get to the end without completing all of the shrines so there will be ones that are like aggressively difficult that i will never complete but that i don't need to if i want to see what happens at the end so you know my big question then kevo 
What do you yeah. want to see from this franchise that would bring you more into it? If they made a Zelda TV show, what have you heard tonight that would make you more excited? And then TK, as a hardcore fan of the franchise, I'd love to know what you want to see from the future of the franchise as well. Um, I think the thing that I probably would need to feel the most from this franchise or need to really get the most from this franchise uh, is I, I love that you brought up the idea of a TV show because if I could have a better idea of like what would the TV show of Zelda be? What would the focus be? What would a season be versus what would be the series arc? Um, and I think something that could put zelda better in those terms for me um that i could follow a little more linearly i i would love to see i would agree yeah i love that idea that would bring me in too tk how about you because a lot of the world and the visuals are really already great and solid as they are oh yeah so for me like i i kind of have a lot of ideas about what they would be um you know Ultimately, I think the show broadly, the meta show, would really be about uh, um, what is, you know, referred to in this game and has been referred to in previous games as the imprisoning war. Uh, the ultimate attempt that Ganon makes to get the Triforce uh, and, you know, has to be stopped by the whole of Hyrule, you know, all of the different races, the Gorons the Zora, uh, if the Rito exists, then the Rito as well. Uh, in, in this game, we are introduced to a new species called the Zonai, uh, uh, who I think could be really important. Um, so I, I think one way to do it would be to do, you know, the broad story of that. And then, like, seasons would be, you know, like, kind of semi-able to reference game in plots by being like, this is, you know, when Link on this mission that was part of the broader uh imprisoning war storyline and how it fit into the game games that's something i would be really interested in i also think doing it sort of anthology style with each you know season being kind of a legend of zelda would be really mm. fascinating uh, um and would you want to see the same cast consistently if they did that sort of anthology or do you think it would be interesting to see like a different link for each iteration I'd love to see different different casts. So, you know, I would think that that would actually be like the heart of what would make uh, a show like uh, A Legend of Zelda thrive a little bit more. Uh, the idea of iterative series. Uh, and it's because it's such a limitless franchise, you know, and the cast being this core identity of character archetypes that's such an important element of storytelling for something like like Zelda and Link, uh, where the characters are so defined and so recognizable that their inclusions in stuff like Super Smash Brothers are not just beloved, but they're like necessary parts of talking about them, which is why we brought them up so much at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, Zelda is always going to be 
really character based. It's I I do I think the meta plot is important and there are really big possibilities, but I think these beautiful recognizable characters that have been built through their iterations is really what makes it so special. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of iterations, for a moment, SMG Five says in one month both Sonic Origins Plus and uh, a game I'm unfortunately less familiar with were released. But Sonic Origins Plus is another great example of a property that can kind of have multiple timelines. Sonic has, you know, multiple iterations and yet still manages to have that core idea, you know, and I think that's something that Zelda really has. Um, You know, I've really loved talking about this stuff with you. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Um, So, you know, what's next? What do you guys want to talk about when it comes to Zelda? I mean, one of the biggest things is like I just talking about what could be next for this franchise is sort of kind of my last thing. And it is the, it was the question I didn't answer because I got a little bit lost in the uh, the TV show, TV show. idealization. Uh, but, you know, they this really we have been through the birth of this franchise, which, you know, started in the 80s went through the 90s we spent the 2000s and a big chunk of the 2010 20-teens in this like peak zelda era 2017 is where we hit breath of the wild and we get these two games which i think may just be the entirety you know the longest period between games was breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom and i think if we take another really long break until the next one this the era might be these two games and then like uh age of calamity cadence of hyrule maybe a couple other sort of uh companion accessory titles but we might be coming to the end of this era and then i have just so many questions about what's next for nintendo i don't have a lot of answers i they have done so much with the entirety of this franchise it's sort of tough to think about where they could go next and what the state of video games is going to be you know it really gets to that point of like we've played around with vr and you know we kind of don't love it we played around with ar and we kind of don't love it we've done open world like are we moving into like it has to be like the inhalant games and the invisibles or i'm just not interested um what is left to do i I sort of, you know, the I I really never want to be like maybe it's time just to stop, but it's so difficult to imagine where you go next. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about seeing where this franchise goes. Um, you know, and, and speaking of where things are going, we have quite a crazy lineup coming ourselves. Kevo, I believe you've got a pretty cool graphic uh, showing some of the amazing things coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Tomorrow night, we are doing a really fucking queer reality show roundup where we're taking a look at uh, today's Eurovision contest. uh, The first two episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 8 plus the matching Untuck. That's right. 
Um, we are going to take a look at the pre-release information for Project Runway All-Stars Season 20, kind of like the greatest season of television for me possible. In the next couple of weeks, we're also going to be taking a look at Muppets Mayhem from Disney+. Plus. It's got baby animals, so just you try and resist. Um, we're going to be taking a look at what I thought was the penultimate uh, yeah. <laughs> movie, but anti penultimate uh, couldn't be more excited. Uh, Love that word. I think they're just recutting it to stick the rock in, and then yeah, we're going to be taking much. a look at the Little Mermaid uh, because just try and stop us. So you know, on the whole, this has been a really fun broadcast talking about something uh, that's really an area that we are trying to you know dig our feet into, really get a sense of what gaming is, get gaming for us. And uh, understand what gaming is for our audience and be able to craft a narrative there. We are also uh, are giant homosexuals that love giant homosexual reality TV. So we're talking about all that. We and, just do what uh, we want to yeah. do. We just do yeah, what we, we want to do. do. Excess for us. <laughs> I love that. Excess for we eat what we like. Excess for us. Excess for you. And uh, I... I love that. If I'm excited the most about anything on that schedule, it's probably Project Runway. Uh, yeah. This cast of Project Runway is everything to me. Um, you know, this is going to be great. I'm so excited. Elaine Welteroth, you're a queen. Nina Garcia, you are my hero. Uh, Christian Siriano, I love you. And uh, Brandon Maxwell, you're so dreamy. I can't stand it. They look so, so good um, on this poster. Good for him. They all do. I'm just so excited. And, you know, TK, thank you so much for giving us Eurovision and uh drag race so exciting to do drag race with you and jonah and jake yeah and uh thank you guys so much for uh getting hyped about eurovision with me i had so much fun watching it with you uh and yeah. you know we were getting ready for the show so i don't even know who the winner is yet i'm pretty sure it's sweden at this point but uh you know um i'm excited to to get into it tomorrow Meanwhile, I was really hoping it was going to be uh, either Israel or uh, who's the little, little Finland. Man? You you wanted Finland. Finland. I wanted yeah. Finland so bad. That hot little man. Ugh. So the hot guy in the key. Uh, no, no, that, that was, was uh, Cyprus, uh, who had no chance. Yeah. We will talk about this tomorrow. Oh, but he's so hot. All right. Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow. About we're doing Eurovision. Tomorrow we're doing Drag Race. Tomorrow we're doing Project Runway. Uh, I think I'm talking Hulk out of this shirt. But, uh, all right, Kevin, like where it. can everybody, all right, Kevin, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me on the socials over at Kevo Really. that's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, T-K, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at XNateXGrayX, and Nico, where can everybody find you? You guys can find me all over this amazing channel with these two amazing gentlemen. You can also find my original work over in the GLAAD Award and Gaming Award winning amazing anthology, Young Men in Love. Uh, also, don't forget to check out our original comics work, Kid Riot, at, over at KidRiotComics.com. Uh, queer, trans, superheroes for everybody. Uh, also, keep your eyes out for some cool projects coming uh, from this team on that subject in the near future. Uh, also featuring the amazing work of Taryn and Gleema, Tori Sheehan, and more. And uh, yeah, all right. You can check me out at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until next time, uh, remember, guys. X is for you, X is for us, man. X for us is my new favorite thing in the world. X is so, for uh, do what we want. Yeah. 
so until next time, keep those swords and shields up in the air. Poke those pots as hard as you can. Keep those light lids. Keep those gateways open. Remember, we're covering reality TV like homos tomorrows, and we'll see you.